Hey there, entrepreneur. If you are looking for a little bit of extra support as you go through your professional or personal journey, please reach out. You can find me at my website, which is michelleamercier.com. And for right now, we are jumping in with the incredible Erica Kidder. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneur, and welcome to today's show. I'm really excited by today's guest because she's a new author, an amazing person, and this is Erica Kidder on today's show, or as her grandmother used to call her, Erica Renee, because that's her middle name. And she is the author of a brand new book, which is called Blacks Mixed With, and she's the creator of the inspirational lifestyle blog, Black Broke Single Mom. And more importantly, she's dedicated to empowering people to embrace individuality, celebrate all their authenticity, and then find creative ways to actually live authentically, go figure folks, and up to their highest potential. And, you know, she's right in my backyard over here in Massachusetts, which is how we got introduced by mutual friend. And I think she's amazing. So Erica, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate that warm welcome. I know I do my best, right? Like if people are going to spend time, (laughs) people spend time with us, then we got to give you the, we have to roll out the red carpet a little bit. So um, let's jump in. So, you know, I was reading some of the words that you had put kind of on your Indiegogo page, which, you know, I knew you were raising funds for this book, which was awesome. But your quote says at age 27, I found myself gripped in adversity and down a slippery slope, not only to statistically predicted poverty and socioeconomics, but swirling in a lack of confidence and self-esteem, contorting myself to align with culturally defined perspectives around race, culture, language, and gender expectations. Whoo. So, (laughs) um, but I think, you know, as heavy as that is, I think people can relate on a lot of levels. So can you take us through how you kind of arrived at that place and, you know, what it felt to be like? Sure. And I don't think it wasn't one day. It was, it was the one day that I kind of, it all bubbled up to the top really, but it was years of going through different things and different situations and really internalizing all of that. And then realizing that if I don't, if I don't change or not change rather by change, I mean, just start to live more authentically in who I am and empower other people to do the same who may be feeling the same way. The odds show the statistics are the data proves that it's, it's not going to be well, it's not going to land well for me. So not only am I more, just based off of the fact that I am Afro-Latina, 
I am more susceptible to experiencing systemic oppression and discrimination. And those things are barriers to, you know, financial freedom, but also I'm, I'm going to continue to battle stress, mental health issues, the, the, the gamut of things that can really keep you down. And so for me, it was about looking at myself and you know, looking at my, my baby saying, what are we gonna do to not just overcome this and not just live and, and you know, but thrive? How are we gonna be the best that we can? And how are we gonna empower other people to be the best? Because there's no way that I'm the only one that's going through something like this. There's no way that I'm the only one who feels this way. No, and I don't, I don't think people ever, I would, I would like to assume that no one ever like looks at their baby and is like, eh, status quo. That's cool. <laughs> like, right. Like, I mean, I don't, it's not like people are trying to live in poverty or trying no, no, of to course just not. hang out in adversity. Right. I think it's, you're right. not meant to, to just live there, but unfortunately a lot of people do. So can you take us, you know, back to age 27, what were you doing? What was your life like? Sure. So on the outside, I think that I looked very confident. I looked very, I was a pro, I, she is a professional. What is she talking about? But I felt very stuck and that I really wasn't progressing and moving forward. I felt like I had to wear a costume to be able to fit in. I felt like in the environment that I was in, people didn't have the same struggle that I had. They couldn't understand my perspective. I was driving in and out of Boston every day from, and from where we live, that's a hike. Mm -hmm. um, it is a couple hours yep. while my, while my child's in daycare. So I'm, you know, in the commuting out when you're not at work stressing about, you know, being the first one in the last one in and the first one out, because that's what you have Mom. to do as a single yep. parent to be able to get to the daycare and get and get home slash, and then drop them off at daycare and get in, um, and fighting that city traffic, you know, when you're not stressed out about that, um, you're very much wearing, you know, in corporate America, especially at that time, you're very much wearing a man's suit yes, and right. you're yeah, very much so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And well, I mean, I'm surprised if I didn't have like shoulder pads on <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it felt. I mean, I think, I think it is changing slightly. I'll give yeah. it a slightly change, but I think you're exactly right. I mean, that at that time point, cause we're about the same age, it was very much, you know, you, there was no feminine, there was no, no. you know, empowered woman kind of leadership. There was some, but it was much more framed around us being like the men. Right. And the and, shoulder pads and, figuratively or literally. Yeah. Yes. And for me, and I, I hate to say it this way, but I, I had to go to work every day as a white man and it just, it wasn't working. It wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for my life. It was. And so I think that the stress of all of that is really, you know, what, what made me, um, realize that I, and when I do this, I'm not going to, when I make this change and when I, and when I'm myself and I'm living and I'm breathing and I'm, I'm being authentically me and showing up truly as I am, like, I'm going to be successful as me. I'm not going to be successful as a white man. Yeah. So tell us more. I mean, I understand, I understand <laughs> on that to the extent in which I can, cause I'm a white woman. Um, <laughs> do you, can you tell folks a little bit more about what you mean by, I felt like I was a white 
showing up as a white man? Like, can you give us kind of those traits around that piece? Because I think, especially if there are white men listening, um, they they may need some context. As a, as a white married man, which I was not right. Mm -hmm. So everything down to, you know, the, the outfits that I chose to wear, the way that I chose to wear my hair, um, how I thought that I would be accepted, the things that I spoke about, um, the way that I spoke about them, um, hiding, I had to hide parts of my life. Um, specifically the fact that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, black, single, broke mom. And that was the whole thing. Like I was paycheck to paycheck. I could tell you that, you know, a carton of milk cost $3 and 53 cents because at times that was all that I had in my bank account to be able to get milk for my child. And I don't think that anybody that I was around at that time, um, especially in at work could understand Um, what I was going through, what I was really going through and what it took just to show up there every day with my face on and ready to go. And that was where I really wanted to make the change and say not, and not only for me, but for other people, because how many other people are faking it to get to work every day? Yeah. They're living through so many different challenges and things that are going on and you can't be who you are because you you're you're feeling like if i show my real self i am not going to be accepted i'm not going to belong here they're going to lay me off they're going to find a, a reason for for my performance or something i don't belong here and i didn't want to live that way anymore yeah i mean and i think i think fast forward to today i think a lot a lot of companies are waking up to that because they don't have a choice. Um, but some companies are also kind of quasi halfway, maybe, um, sorta waking up to it or checking a box <laughs> or, or something like that. I'm not sure, but I think what you're stating is such a real fear. I mean, on a lot of levels. And I think my friends, my friend Sadie says, or Sidrola, who's a, who's a past guest here says everything's kind of on a spectrum, right? Like depending on like the white men are at one, one end of the spectrum and depending, you know, how far you go across the line is how many more kind of layers of complexity you have on you when you're thinking this stuff through. So like you just said, um, you're, you were falling into a statistic, a statistic that yes, as a white woman, I could sit here and go, well, I I've struggled monetarily but I'm not a statistic necessarily. Right. And there's a different kind of psychological impact around that. Right. Exactly. Um, and it was my, my goal was I, I didn't just want to overcome being a statistic. I wanted to transcend. Yeah. Um, and so that the statistic to the point that it's not just me, it's beyond me. Yeah. And that, and that's really where, um, where I, I started to feel very strongly about advocacy yeah. as well. Yeah. Cause I think it's kind of hero's journey ish, right? Like when you look at it and it's like, you can, you can go through it, get the call to action, go through the struggle, <laughs> feel all the things. But if you don't kind of complete that loop of teaching it or taking others with you, or, you know, like you said, beautiful word, transcending it, then, you know, you haven't completed the whole journey, right? And you have so much more journey ahead of you, which I'm so looking forward to seeing. Um, So when you kind of look at that and you look at from 27 to today, you know, what does that look like? 
for you? Sure. So the focus of uh, my book, you know, people ask me a lot about about the title and, you know, where did you get black mixed with? And, and I go through this whole thing about how I was always asked the question, you know, well, well, what are you? And I have a slew of ways, shameless plug, read my book and find all the ways in which I've tried, I have tried <laughs> on uh, to label what I am, but, um, you know, it really black mixed with is intended to actually shift the focus from being black mixed with Italian, Puerto Rican, or whatever it is that you happen to be mixed with to really looking at yourself and understanding the special virtues and authentic qualities that you have that make up your own beautiful mosaic. So I'm not, it's not I'm black mixed with Italian and Puerto Rican. It's, you know, I'm black mixed with empathy and self-acceptance and love and happiness and courage and ambition and all, all of these things that make me who I am these are what I now consider to be my superpowers that I bring to the table. And I've uncovered these, these virtues and these superpowers from all of the lessons that I've learned through these adversities that I've lived. And that's what I intend to share out in the world. And so, you know, I, I really want to empower people to look at what their mix is and and bring that bring that to the table bring that to the world because that is what's important and that's what is authentically you yeah and i think those are the, those are the things that to your point they transcend all racial things Absolutely. right like they're human things they're human qualities and i'm not saying that to negate the fact that shit's broken right i don't okay. want to say oh, that either <laughs> there's so much stuff broken right where there there needs to be the spotlight shown on the inequalities and things like that. But I think a good part of being able to advocate for that is also to your point, understanding that you're so much more, you're right. more than that statistic that you said, right? Um, so tell us, tell us a little bit about the empathy part of it. Um, you know, like how, how is that playing, playing in? I mean, I know what empathy means, all of us do, but you know, at which point did empathy kind of help you on this journey? Sure. I remember, I, so I am an incredibly empathetic person. Like I, um, and it's strange. I must have been, um, I cry at like Tide commercials. Like I can just, <laughs> I, just I feel, I feel you. Um, so I must've really been um, really shoving that deep down for a long time. Cause I'll never forget this. Uh, we had a coach at one point come in Um for a team that I was managing. And he said to me, after he brought me a pile of books and the titles of the books had, they were titles like, you know, people skills and yeah, like I was like- Management 101. I, yeah, I have the best, it was emotional intelligence. I'm like, I have the best people skills. Like I don't understand. And so he, I, I said something to him like, are you trying to say something with leaving me all of these books? And he said, um, well, you're, you're not very empathetic. And I was what? Uh, so I started to really, um, unpack what, what he meant by I'm not showing empathy. And 
I am incredibly empathetic. I think that I somehow, I got the message along the line that it was cool not to be empathetic. Um, and so I really made sure, I really tossed that to the side and said, I, that's not even who I am. And so if that's what's being portrayed about me, then I'm not living, I'm not living who I am at all. And so I really started to, with my project teams and in, in my relationships, put not only who I was out on the table and, and meet people there, but also, I think when I started to share more of my story and more of just who I was, I mean, like not making people feel uncomfortable, like, right. hey, nice to meet you. I'm Erica. I'm a, I'm, I'm a broke single mother. And I, this is so, <laughs> like, not like that. Um, but it, it, it kind of, it made people feel like they could be themselves as well. And so what I found was that empathy and really understanding and having the ability to feel you know, what other people are going through and to hear them out and to understand, like, let's give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, I'm sure that most people, like 99.9% .9 of people are showing up and trying their best every day. Yeah. Or, I mean, and I think that's, yeah. No, sorry, I cut you off on that. No, no, yeah, I'm, just, I'm so though, excited you know, to like, hear it. Let's meet people where they are and understand, you know, that, and I, just have that understanding for them. And when I started to do that, I felt that empathy was just, it was the bridge of human connection. Yeah. And that bridge to human connection, once that was opened, that fostered an environment of belonging. And when you have an environment of belonging, you have a high performing team. You do. You really do. You really do. And I think that's, it's funny that you say again, like so much of this conversation just kind of exemplifies like the shift in workplaces that we've seen over the last, you know, decade or two where you're exactly right. You know, God forbid you showed empathy 10 years ago. I mean, and, and in some situations now you would have been, you know, too passionate, right. Or, you know, don't cry in the workplace or kind of all of those like unwritten rules where to your point, you had to compartmentalize and you had to kind of put on this very masculine energy, but like that person said to you simultaneously be kind of pinged for it and like penalized for it because you weren't empathetic enough. Right. So you're like, <laughs> am I supposed to be emotional or am I supposed to be a badass or am I supposed to like, which one pick one folks, right? Because <laughs> it makes your head spin when you talk about that shit. So but I love the message that you're saying here is that like, you don't have to pick it based on them. You pick it based on you. And then you say, take it or leave it folks. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're, you're spot on to, especially, especially now, I think everyone needs to hear kind of the message of, of empathy because I'm, I'm with you. I believe people, people are doing the best they can with what they've been given. Because again, Absolutely. similar to, to earlier, I don't think anyone wakes up and is like, I'm going to be a complete fucking disaster today. Like <laughs> no. who, like, I, I don't think people function like that, but sometimes situations, they, they can take their toll on folks. Um, so what other virtues are kind of featured in the book or what are, what are your favorite ones in there? Sure. So, um, 
My favorite feature of the book is um, self-acceptance. And so that one is about my hair <laughs> and my hair journey being a journey of um, self-love and self-acceptance. So that is one of my favorites. Um, also, there's the virtue of courage. Yeah, and so nice. that one is really phenomenal as well. And the rest yeah. you have to if to read. So let's, let's explore the hair thing. Cause I remember that I had a friend a couple of years ago who we were at a conference and she literally had a t-shirt that was like, don't ask me about my fucking hair (laughs) or don't touch it or don't like it's it's, my hair. Yeah. And like in the category of like, if I'm pregnant, don't just assume that you can like rub my stomach and talk, tell me about it. So, you know, can you talk to us about, about that for people who are like the hair, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Mainly white folks, please tell us. Yeah. So uh, my hair was really the first indicator to me that I was different when I was growing up. So this really started to strike me around five years old. Um, And so I remember being in school and all the girls would like flip their hair this way and that way, or like my favorite was like the ear tuck. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't work out. We're listening like her hair does not tuck behind an ear very easily right but it's still beautiful like, thank you standard. thank you so social standards I, I remember it would like you know swing their hair and it would like smell so great like all of this stuff that I just I did not have so this really um was the first the first tip to me that I'm, I'm different. Like there's, and I can't, I can't, um, get on this hair level and, and people would sometimes make comments about it. Um, or, you know, we, we would go to hair salons and they wouldn't know how to do my hair. Um, or, you know, people, people, they make comments or try to touch it and, you know, things, things like that. And it made me really, I guess, in addition to comment, there really wasn't anybody else around me that had this hair either. So I felt very, I didn't know what to do about it. And because it's different and because there is not a lack of representation, because there is a lack, sorry, a lack of representation around it. And especially at that time, and I didn't know what to do. It really took a toll on my self-esteem. Um, and so I went on the, when around the time of corporate America, actually it was when I was 16. So 16 until, um, I want to say 32, I was in the weave Olympics. Like I, I had the, I was obsessed. I mean, I had found my thing and long, straight and shiny was my thing. And, um, so from, so from that point, I always had like my hair extensions and my weave, and that was how I would blend in. And that was kind of my armor. Um, and I don't mean to say it in a way that if you have a weave or hair extension or anything like that, that that's what you're doing. That's not putting that on anybody else. That's what I was doing though. I wanted to, I wanted to blend in. I was camouflaging myself so that I could be perceived as more acceptable, more, you know, white centric, basically more acceptable for corporate America. Um, and that, that was part of it. That was part of the body armor, um, along with the, the outfits and, you know, Mm -hmm. being a lot of things that I wasn't. And so, um, 
over time, I, and I, you know, started to have this kind of awakening as to who I really was, I ended up going on, you know, what we all call the natural hair journey. And I've done like the big chop, the asymmetrical bob, the, um, my train, my training wheels weave, which is like, it's like only like a little tiny bit of weave, like over here and, um, all of that into ultimately just accepting, um, my hair. And, and kind of, you know, there were times where it's like, I kind of felt like I I had like wearing my hair like this. It was almost like walking the plank, like someone going to say something, are they going to look at me funny? Is someone going to make a comment? Like, what is it going to be? Um, and overcoming that, you know, that insecurity around it. Um, and really also looking at the beauty of being different of, you know, accepting it and even accentuating it, you know, and making it something that I'm really, um, I really embrace now. And, you know, now I wear my natural hair and I wear it in all forms and it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's more about myself, my own self-expression now, rather than about trying to blend in for, to appease and make other people feel comfortable. Now it's just about what I want and how I'm feeling that day and what works for me. Yeah. Which Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. You hit the nail on the head, making other people feel comfortable. Right. I think as just as women, we're all really good at doing that. Right. Um, But, you know, I like the fact also that you're saying that you're, you're looking at it as an external, like before you're looking at it from an external validation, right? Like, let me look and see like you just described it perfectly. I'm scanning. Who's going to make the comment? Who's going to do that? Like you're always on and it's exhausting. I can imagine just being like always on the ready for that or on the defense or however you want to state that. But instead kind of having that journey of saying like, no, I want the internal validation part. Like you said, like that self-acceptance, that's like, this is me again, take it or fucking leave it because (laughs) this is how it goes. Um, And I think a lot of us can relate to the chameleon part of it. Definitely not on the same level um, as, as you're describing, but that chameleon part is rings true for a lot of folks. Um, really, it really does. And I actually, for the book, I actually wrote a whole piece about being a chameleon. And I think I left it on the editing floor, to be honest. It was, I mean, I went, I went way deep into like who chameleon, how chameleons move. I, I could give you the whole history on chameleons <laughs> at this point. I researched chameleons like up the wazoo. Um, but that's really what it, but that's really what it was. And it was around really trying to blend in. And I don't, you know, you shouldn't have to blend in. And as a matter of fact, chameleons don't intentionally blend in. Um, they actually, they change their colors to stand out. So, um, you know, and so I, I always, that was something that, um, I was toying with as well with that concept. It's like, you're, you're not born to blend in and just to be, you know, kind of basic in this environment. Like you're born to stand out. So be you. Huh, that's really interesting. I feel like that in itself could be an entire marketing line right there. It's like <laughs> just disproving the chameleon point of things, right? Like, you know, at one point I was going to have the book cover be a chameleon. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> because I think everyone knows what that means, right? Like why? Yeah. So, so interesting. I'll be coming to you and I know inevitably one of my kids will do a report on chameleons. Um, <laughs> I've got it all. I've got it all. <laughs> 
Um, so talk to me a little bit more about the courage aspect, because I can imagine that every day is a courage, courageous journey when you're fighting a system that's kind of like just not built to hold you or not, you know, and there's so many different standards out there. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the courage aspect of things. Yeah, sure. So the courage is really, you know, everybody can have the courage to, to stand up and to, um, you know, say something or to speak out and that that's courage, but really the courage that I'm talking about was the courage to be vulnerable. Um, the courage to really put yourself out there and be who you are, regardless if people are going to accept it or not, or make comments or look at you funny or, and to still be at the table as you are, um, the courage to be truly you. That's yeah. really what, what that is about. Um, and in that courage too, and, and being, and all of those things kind of go together, you know, it's in the courage to be vulnerably seen and to be vulnerably you, and then to have bring into that with joy and purpose, right. And to live authentically as yourself. And then, you know, to kind of tie it all together to find gratitude in that. Right. Yeah. Because I think that's, um, and, and, to, and to express those things is really, I feel the, the catalyst of it. It's the action of it that helps with the transcending. Right. Yeah. And so you were, you know, I was in this place and, and we, you know, we talk about it and catalog that journey and people say, well, how, well, how did you do it? Well, how, well, you know, it's really from within and it really starts with the courage to be vulnerably seen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think, you know, all of us are scared to, to be truly seen, right? <laughs> On a lot of levels. But, you know, I think also, I would imagine that courage also goes alongside the fact of keeping going with it as well, because you can put yourself out and be seen, but then, you know, you can also get the backlash from that of being seen. So the continuation of courage, and I imagine, is that where the gratitude part comes in too? Because if you can, if you're actively searching out the gratitude in a situation, does it make it easier? to, um, ignore the hits. Maybe, I don't know if ignore is the right word, but you understand what I'm saying? Not ignore, but it's right to change the perspective of the hits Yes, to help overcome, to help overcome it. And to really, to see it, to see the hits more objectively. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they can't be, I mean, I, I agree. Ignore is not the right word there because you can't ignore some of them. Right. Um, <laughs> but to be more objective about it. Um, when you are, practicing that intentional gratitude and living in joy and purpose. Yeah. The hits don't hit as hard. Yeah. Or you just like them kind of roll off because you know who you are when you go to bed at night, I would right. imagine. Um, so any kind of last points that you want to make around the book and stuff? I mean, there's so much valuable stuff in there that everyone needs to just go read, please. Um, but what kind of last, if there's a last virtue or a last kind of tidbit that you want to share with us? I would just say that um, my last tidbit is just have the courage to be you and to embrace all of the unique characteristics and circumstances and thoughts and perspectives and experiences that make you you and bring it to the table because 
the power is in the diversity of all of those things that we all collectively bring. And so if we're continuing to hide them, no one is getting the benefit and we're suffering. Right. right. So live each day truly as you are. I love that. I love that. And we'll just, I mean, if you're not, we're just going to continue. Like, I think people think the more, you know, we all try to strive to be the same, you know, that's the answer on some weird level, but I feel like that just splinters us more, um, you know, in a weird kind of backfiring way, you know, you don't get to see the beauty. You don't get to see everybody's unique perspective, which makes up this amazing world. I know that sounds like a little kind of rainbows and butterflies and like optimistic, I know, I know, but, but it's true though. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just imagine like if I hadn't had this conversation with you, I wouldn't have learned this or, you know, it's just, we need to be hearing the holistic approach to everybody's different lives. And I think there's so much value in that. Um, so tell people where they can find you, where they can, you know, learn more about you so they can get this book. Sure. Everything that you need to know about me is on ericakitter.com. Awesome. Easy guys, right? Easy, everybody. Uh, we like to make it easy around here. So Erica, you are beautiful. You know, I love you. Um, thank and thank you. you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Erica is just such a beautiful human being. I love talking to her and I'm so glad that she was put in my path and that we were introduced by a mutual friend. Um, you know, but I love that she she's looking to dive in and beneath the surface on a lot of things, right? And her, her book explores that. So I would encourage you all to go find it, go follow her on social media. I know the book is supposed to be coming out around this episode and, and fingers crossed that it's there. And if it's not, please, please follow her so that you know exactly when to get it. And on next week's episode, I am welcoming peak performance coach, Jeff Wickersham. Now, Jeff has an an impressive list of accomplishments. But one of the things that I found fascinating was that he recently hit 1,472 straight days of meditation and 1,127 straight days of a cold shower and ice bath. This guy is not messing around. So you don't want to miss this episode. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.